started yeah we're okay so here's what i had you shaking in your boots because when i came back in the room after going and adjusting the air conditioner and maybe going potty i still had my headphones on and so i could hear you that entire time (laughs) what did i do nothing that's what was funny about it but what it what it reminded me of and this has nothing to do with our topic today but this is what's fun is i just thought what if you were sitting there saying i just can't stand my dad i wish that old man would just you know whatever because i'm listening i'm ready because every time you leave the room that's just what i start doing well apparently you don't though because see i was able to to tell (laughs) but what i thought was really fascinating about it was did you know there's a documentary where a guy admits that he killed people while the mic was still hot and he didn't know it was on says Robert Robert Durst would have a tough time convincing a judge that his mumbling open mic moment in the bathroom should be inadmissible as evidence. Legal experts say they, this was back from 2015, but it says in the finale of an HBO documentary, Durst, the real estate heir linked to the killings of two people close to him and the disappearance of a third was captured muttering to himself. We have to hit the explicit mark on this one, but he said, uh, what the hell did I do? Killed them all. Of course. He says that while he was mic'd up because he didn't know that his mic was still hot. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine if that was, if you almost got away with a right? murder and that's what it was? And you're like, MB, you just go, my bad. Oh, sorry about that one, guys. <laughs> just Jeez. kidding. JK, is that what you kids say? Dude, I'm not even a kid. Okay. I'm sure, like man. 30. You're not 30. Might as well be. Okay. Hey, so today I thought that I would give you a little break because you've done 10 straight episodes of research. And we've had some really good conversations, I think, about your, you know, you're big in Finland now, you're big in Canada. I didn't even check the charts this week, so who knows what country that you're big in this week. But we've gotten great feedback, which I'm just super excited about. And I love working with you on this because you've really risen. I want to say risen to the challenge, but you're just being you and you're doing amazing. But <laughs> you're um, like, shockingly. I, I know, right? Sounds, but, but maybe maybe I can do a tiny interview with you first. Do you feel a certain amount of pressure each week to come up with a lot of content and material? Yes. Okay. So much so. And I think the more, because we, we've had a good little streak the last couple episodes where it's, they've just resonated with people. And so I've had people reach out each week and then the next week rolls around. And I'm like, how am I going to like yeah, top meet that or top that? And what if I just talk about something dumb and then everyone's like, can you just can it? And I'm right. like, sorry. So yeah, a little bit of pressure. Hey, Mackie, see, look at this. You're already delivering with this too. Because what I thought would be fun to talk about a little bit is, and this is uh, interesting, right before COVID, you might have heard of it, before the whole world shut down, I actually went out to uh, Salt Lake and I was speaking at a podcast festival or convention. And, and what I my topic was, was you have to talk about something that you love or else your audience will start to see through that. And I was talking about, there's a couple of different things. One is that you can look at consistency. I know I've told you so many times, like I have this value of consistency. And so it's literally been almost eight years where I put out a podcast every week for the, on the virtual couch. Uh, and that has been a lot. But then, so that's where I, I worry 10 episodes in, if you feel like, okay, I have to come up with gold every week, that that would feel like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to run out of things that I care so much about. Yeah. Well, so (laughs) I was, I I was kind of talking to you about, but then if we look at your other daughter, it's my other daughter, your sister, um, Sydney, Uh and we we have the podcast murder on the couch where I realized that me saying we need to be consistent is a me thing. 
And because she puts a lot of effort into the research of those episodes. And and so right. then I, re- right. So I realized, okay, she's saying, well, we'll, we'll get them out when we get them out, old man. She hasn't put the old man part in, but that's what I kind of hear in my <laughs> you head. You can feel it. I yeah. can feel it. So I think we were talking earlier where it's the, okay, do you want to be, do you want these things out consistent? Or do you just want to be able to speak to the things that you speak to? And I think I was kind of sharing a little bit of a way to do both in a sense. So I think that's what we're right. we're going to do today. It's a balance. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I like what you said about if, if it isn't something that you're not passionate about, then I think people will see through that. That sounds very dramatic, right. but I think we all <laughs> maybe have listened to podcasts where somebody's just, man, they really, they, that one, I really felt that one. And the other one, it feels like they're just, just saying things. Right. And I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I was uh, talking about how a lot of times on my virtual couch, I feel like I'm constantly working on a couple of things, maybe more on these, I have an infinite amount of Google Docs that I just am, I'm working a little bit on, a little bit on. But for me, for the consistency, then I will go to something like psychology today and I will bring up an article and then I will share my thoughts on that article because then it's my thoughts and it isn't saying that article is wrong, but just here's what that brings up for me because I think there's a part of me that, yeah, that wants to be consistent, but also, um, Hopefully, you know, you like to resonate with the people you listen to. So that'll help people understand a little bit more about you. Um, and then I also like kind of modeling that everything becomes this opportunity for us to to grow. Or it can just be, I like this and I don't like this. But that's part of being human. And I think it's a productive part. So tell me what thoughts come up for you on that. If that sounds like something you're interested in, not necessarily. What do you think? No, I think it's it's fun because I... It's basically what I do. Like when I'm looking for episode ideas, I'm basically going through articles, trying to find things and reading bits and pieces of them. But then I think I fall into a, I start to overthink it. And so I'm so intrigued by the idea of just like reacting on the spot and just having opinions and not thinking anything more of like, what's the right thing to say here or what do you know, just to have the raw reaction, but still be learning things. And then, yeah, the opportunity to self-confront or, you know, to learn something that we'll agree with and be like, that's really cool. Or to then kind of be like, huh, uh-huh. I don't know about that, but then think about it. Right. So it's like, no, I'm totally, I'm totally down. Yeah. And I like what you just said there. Cause I think sometimes we're afraid to say, I don't necessarily agree with that because then we feel like, right. Oh, what if that means I'm wrong or somebody's going to going to say I don't I can't believe you said that and I so desperately want us all all of us to then recognize that um we're just doing us for the very first time in our entire lives. So in this moment when we read this thing, this is our thought. There's not a right or a wrong. Yeah. This is it. And then that leads it to then, is. it just in and then we might even change our opinion. But it's okay for me to have a a raw reaction and to not be afraid. And then if somebody else has a strong reaction to my reaction, I mean, quite frankly, that's a them issue, which I'm saying it in a lovable way. (laughs) Yeah. And then I might have a me issue with some of the feedback that we get, but that's something for me to take a look at. So the article today, this is one that I when it literally came out today, which was updated, it says today, and it's from Psychology Today, which is one of my favorite muses. Um, It's Mm -hmm. by a guy named Neil Burton. He's a psychiatrist, so he's a medical doctor. And he has a, a, I don't know if you call him a column on psychology today, these days called Hide and Seek. And I thought that was really a, a kind of a clever title. And Hide and Seek is, he says, understanding self-deception, self-sabotage and more. So I think even just knowing that, so here's a psychiatrist, medical doctor who diagnoses and treats a lot of things with medication, which he's gone to a lot of schooling for. And then his angle, it sounds like is understanding uh, self-deception and self-sabotage. So the things that maybe are we not even aware of, of ourself. 
So with that said, he says the possible utility of depression and why our approach to depression may be misguided. So right out of the gate, do you have any thoughts or reactions about the utility of depression? Truthfully, I don't even know what that means. Okay, right? And I, and I think that, <laughs> I, no, it's like, and I think most people won't. So tell so, me, yeah, tell me from yeah. a smart guy perspective, what does that even, what well, are we so saying I, here? <laughs> so I believe, you know, it's, a, it's especially like the utility means almost like the, um, Okay. And it's funny because I was even trying to find, is there a cool way to explain it that will make more sense than what I'm going to say? But it even, even when I was yeah. Googling some of the, the definitions of utility, it even says um, that it, it can actually be a little bit confusing. But in economics, it refers to the usefulness or enjoyment a consumer can get from a service or a good. So the utility, you know, it's almost like the utility value. And so the concept of utility is abstract, but it's a way to decide how we make our decisions. So like what's the utility of depression can almost even mean what, what it, is there a value of depression? So like the utility of anxiety or the utility of depression can mean what can we get from it? So like the, I just finished a podcast about ADHD with our good friend, Julie. And so the utility of ADHD, I think is almost like a theme that's going through there of once we recognize that we are talking about this thing that we have, then it's like, okay, what can be gained from it or what can be gathered from it? You know, what's the utility value? Yeah. So does that bring up anything for you? I mean, is it like a, uh, there, there's nothing yeah, productive I mean, in it, you know, or <laughs> no, I feel like now all the, the gears in my head just started turning and I'm like, trying to like yeah. think about it because we've, we've talked about this before, right? I, I have dealt heavily with depression throughout my mm. life, right? From little bouts of it and then like pretty serious. And so I think I've been on this kind of journey of sorts in dealing with depression or learning how to deal with it for me, where I've, I think I've been trying to find that, right? Like trying to yeah. find that. And I, I've almost feel like most recently with my depression stuff, I've gotten to a point where I am being okay with it and it's very neutral, but I don't know that I could say that I have found specific values of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it so does. I'm intrigued because I feel like I, I personally am trying to answer that or find that right <laughs> like yeah yeah to make it a better or productive thing instead of just completely neutral so okay so well said and i think the reason why i'm, I'm drawn, well and i'm drawn to things like this because what what it kind of means i think too is that i i believe if we go back to the brain as a don't get killed device that it's trying to get our attention in whatever way so when i see the utility the possible utility of depression then i feel like it's doing that concept where it's almost like and i'm sorry i'm looking over here for anybody that watches this on youtube it looks like i'm not paying attention but i've got the article on my other screen so depression can act as an indicator that something in your life needs to be addressed and then whether it is, whether it's like relationship issues or work stress or lifestyle choices, then I feel like the brain's just trying to communicate. But then the part that I'm worried about is I almost feel like that makes a lot of sense with anxiety because anxiety is there to warn us. And so sometimes right. I worry about when I give my big old brains don't get killed device speech, I usually pass right through um, depression. And, and I know I'm saying things like, okay, so the brain is a don't get killed device. And so it's trying, it starts with depression and then when, and then it moves to or anxiety and depression. And then it eventually goes to, I don't even want to get out of bed and I, I want to go, you know, hope a meteor hits me. But sometimes I'm, as I'm saying that, I'm like, is there like utility in depression? You know, is there, is it a signal for right. change? Yeah. Because honestly, right. Like just hearing that, I'm like, I don't know that I would say it was Yeah. just right off the bat or in my experience so far, I don't know that I felt it that way, but I, but I get it with the anxiety things. So I'm like, so yeah, is there something there? Yeah. 
Yeah, so Dr. Burton, he says, as many as one in four Americans will at some time in their life suffer from a mental illness called major depressive disorder. And then despite the growing concerns about their effectiveness, uh, sales of antidepressant drugs grow. And he's from England, but he says, and in England have more than doubled since 2008. And so he just says, and again, this is why I want to make the point that he's a psychiatrist. So he is schooled in this. He says, clearly the approach to depression that we as a society are taking isn't working, but why? And then he said, the concept of depression as a mental illness may be helpful for the more severe cases treated by hospital psychiatrists. He said, but probably not for the majority of cases, which by and large are mild and short-lived and readily interpreted in terms of life circumstances, human nature, and the human condition. Indeed, for many people, the concept of depression as a mental illness is likely to be positively harmful. So this is where I think it could be controversial. And he says, how? And he said, by pushing us toward doctors and drugs, the belief that we are suffering from a mental illness or chemical imbalance in the brain can prevent us from identifying and addressing the important real life problems or psychological issues that are at the root of our distress and that are quite literally crying out for our attention. So to treat this cry out of the depths as a simple biological problem is effectively to ignore it and suppress it while the ever more people join in the legions of the depressed. So that's why I thought, oh man, this, this could be a hot button. And then the therapist in me who loves acceptance and commitment therapy then goes into that acceptance of like, oh man, no, this stinks, you know, and now what can I do with it? But I think you and I have had some really good conversations even lately about, but when it stinks, you're, you don't want to do anything about it. Or, right. Yeah. So what do you think? React yes. to all that, right? <laughs> I have so many, do so you? many okay. thoughts. Okay. Yeah. So many thoughts. I mean, starting off with medication, right? Cause uh -huh. he's talking about that. That's kind of the, you know, you go to a doctor yeah. and you say, I'm feeling depressed. Usually they're just immediately going to go, okay, let's put yeah. you on, you know, let's yeah. go through the cycle. I've been on all the different medications, right? Like yeah. I've done that, been there still technically on some and yeah, you know, whatever. But it is interesting because that and we've, I think you and I have talked about this a lot too, where the medication on its own is not going to, That's I was gonna fix go to. everything. Yeah, no, I like this. And, and I've seen that in, you know, in trying, like, cause I've been on, on and off of medication probably since I was 14 or 15. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and maybe other people would feel differently about this because maybe they've had different experiences with it. Sure. But yeah. just being on a medication, it doesn't just make it all disappear. Yeah. And I think, with with you and I, like we've talked about how it is this combination of if maybe you are medicated and that can raise your emotional baseline, That's right. then you go. do the, right. Then you do the therapy and you do the mindfulness and you, you know, add, you do the, you find the whole list of things for you. Right. And it's like, yeah. that's the part that's really going to help you feel better where the medication is just the boost. And so it's, it is interesting to see it, like, especially how he's saying, everything's like more than doubled. And so it's obviously, it must be getting worse and it right. must be whatever where it's like, I don't even know if it's getting worse, but it is, it's not being treated yeah. in a very like long-term beneficial way because it is just kind of trying to shove it down and just be like, don't feel that you don't like, yeah. you know, do not feel yeah. that here's this medication that is supposedly going to make you not feel that. And then I think a lot of people will just do that they'll take the medication and they'll be like, okay, well, if this isn't working, I don't want to have to go more serious or I don't want to have to make more changes. And so then yep. they, ju they just kind of sit with it. Right. Yeah. Or at least I've done that. <laughs> I've been no, there. I <laughs> think like, you're spot on, Mac. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's something, but I also think when you're reading that, I do feel like it's important and I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I feel like it's important to know that like depression is such a, 
almost like a spectrum type of thing mm-hmm. within it sure. where there's so many different things where there are like I think in terms of depression indicating a change or a problem in your life or something to fix there are there is situational depression right like there mm-hmm. is depression that arises based off of yeah like you were saying yeah. whether it's a relationship or a loss or a job you're miserable in or just, you know yep. something in your totally. life that is not going well then it's like yeah your body is going to kind of shut down and go into that depression mode right yep. and that could then be a sign to okay maybe we need to make some changes within these yeah, things like or there's some healing that needs to be had but on the other side there's also which this has been more of what I've dealt with where it is just more of the chemicals and genetics where the depression is just not that it's, I don't know. I don't want to say like, Oh, too bad for me. Like it's, I'm just stuck with this because it's not like that. But, but where I, I potentially will feel this on and off, I think for most of my life. Right. And so it's like, there's that side of it where I think it is just a thing. It just Mm. kind of is. And you do then accept and find ways to cope yeah, and heal in ways that you can. Right. But yeah. I don't know. I don't even know where my, my whole point with that, but just made me think, okay, yeah, there are so many different types of depression you one can experience. No, you just said so many good things here with that. I appreciate because I was going, my emotional baseline theory is a theory that I will open up and admit that I, I made up 15 years ago, yeah. but, but I feel yeah. like it, it is just so solid. I think it really is. And so when somebody well, yeah. can't get to the tools and and I really like you said something there too, where sometimes people feel like an antidepressant is going to be a boost. But in reality, I had a, one of my first clients that ever took medication while, on my watch, I guess. Um, he said that it stopped him from going down into the basement. And he said in the basement was where the real scary thoughts were. And I thought that was so yeah. powerful, you know. And then, but then he started becoming very engaged in therapy, was going through a really difficult time. He was able to get himself in a really good place. And at that point he said, I think I'm going to back off the medication. And I was like, sounds great. And then he came in a few weeks later and was like, I, I've been in the basement again. You know, then he just said, so you know what though? Why, I'm good. So I'm taking the medication. I'm in this better place. And I just thought that was really powerful. And then there have been some people that have been able to get off of it, but I think it's once they, their baseline is raised and they are meditating, maybe they have found a better relationship or they're in a, right. they found more of a sense of purpose or a job they like, or, you know, so many things. So I like what you're saying. I think there's a spectrum of things there. And that's what I worried about. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I didn't want it to feel like it's somebody telling me with ADHD to just focus a little more. I'm like, you think I haven't tried that, you know? <laughs> right. And so yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Cause it's like, I want to approach it from... A, a place that everyone could, you know, feel validated from mm-hmm. or feel like, okay, yeah, you understand. But obviously I'm coming at this from my personal experience totally. with it and, you know, and you're coming yeah. at it from being a therapist and seeing lots of different things. But yeah, I just feel like that's, you well, know, Mackie, what on you said, my mind that, there. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is I can think of times where there have been people that have, have really struggled to ever even come into therapy because they, no one has ever done therapy in their life. So even mm-hmm. getting on medication was a huge step because maybe people weren't medicated before. And that's sometimes where I feel like, uh, hopefully we're changing that dynamic, you know, for you guys, even in our family of, okay, it's okay to go to therapy, says the therapist. And, and because right. I feel like then sometimes people say, well, I don't want to go. And they have all these yeah buts in their mind, you know, but, but I think that's powerful because I, I can tell you that I can think of I don't know, I'm going gender stereotype here, but a lot of guys that I work with will come in very depressed when they lose a job. 
And then we'll talk about all kinds of things, trying to figure out things. And all of a sudden they get a job and then they're, oh, I'm good. I mean, and they really are. And then, you know, and it's so, it's that, so situational. And then I think there's a lot of the seasons right. of life, time of life, where I, a lot of the moms I work with that when kids are all out of the house or are grown or, and they can sometimes feel like, okay, sense of purpose. And that can feel really heavy and down, you know? And mm-hmm. so then that one can sometimes be situational, but it might feel heavier than the guy that doesn't have a job. Cause I think, you know, subconsciously right. it's like, I'm going to find one eventually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it is, it's so, there are just so many different forms of it and levels of it and yeah, all that. But I do, I feel like the emotional baseline thing factors into every single one though. I think that's, yeah. that's a universal thing there, right? Like that addresses everything. But the, cause obviously if, if medication is what is going to work, then uh-huh. yeah, do it. If that's, what's going to save your yes. life, if that's what's yes. going to make you feel like, why would you not do it? Right. Yeah. But I do also feel like you have to commit to the, okay, then I'm going to do the therapy and I'm going to read the books and I'm going to like go on the walks and do all the things there too. So do you want to look at the, so the next thing where he talks about is again, so he talks about depression as a signal and he says, just as physical pain evolved. And this is, I, I think this one's a good point to signal injury and prevent further injury. So depression may have evolved to remove us from distressing, damaging, or futile situations, situations that do not serve us well as human beings, the time and space and solitude afforded by depression. And I thought this was interesting. Um, can enable us to reassess our needs, reframe our perspectives and round up the resolve to break with established patterns. In other words, the depressive position may stand as a signal from our unconscious to our conscious that something is seriously wrong and needs working through and changing, or at the very least processing and understanding. So what I think is interesting is let's just say that, that it, the, you know, the brain back to don't get killed device, if it is saying, Hey, you need a break. And then, but then when we're feeling so down and we have phones and we have TikTok, then that break is going to be filled with funny dog videos and little kids saying swear words and people breaking out simultaneous dance moves instead of, okay, now's the time to do the work. Hypothetically. That's, that's such a good point. <laughs> Hypothetically, if you were somebody <laughs> that would go to TikTok in your spare time. <laughs> but no, that that's such an interesting point because I do... When you say it like that, I get that it could be your your body's way of telling you something, right? Chill, bro. And again, right? I think this is where, <laughs> literally, and I think this is this is uh, you making yourself laugh. <laughs> I did. I did. okay. How dare you edit that out? Really but you okay? But you always, you're the one that taught me. Um, Chill, bro. And it makes me laugh every time. Chill, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways. Um. What were we even talking about? Yeah, see? Depression. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is where I go back to my, when I was saying that there are so many different types where I feel like in the sense that it is maybe just a genetic or chemical moment yeah, or thing that is happening, which maybe, do you, how do you, I don't even know if you, maybe you think I'm crazy every time I say that. No, I don't think you're crazy. It's just, it's funny, uh, not funny. I really appreciate that because I think part of, and you know, I'm coming from this, I, I love acceptance and commitment therapy so much that, but this is where I so appreciate this conversation because I, I don't know, you know, what somebody else's experience is like, because there's that part of me that, you know, I want to say bless one's heart of trying to even figure out this part of it could be a, a, a story my brain's trying to hook me to that if I can figure out, is this situational? Is this temporary? Is this because it versus the, here it is, you know, now what, what do I, what direction yeah. do I want to go with it? Like that deep acceptance 
with, and I think I told you this is before we went to record. And now I've got, this is why I have a hundred tabs open all the time is because this led me to, you know, this guy's column, so to speak. And then it looked like he had a couple of other hot takes on depression, which they were talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, which then I was saying, man, you know, I go on my rant about cognitive behavioral therapy versus acceptance and commitment therapy. Then I find an article that talks about ACT being the little known, you know, treatment a few years ago that is so effective, which then just led me going into this meta analysis of the data, of you know, all this stuff. And so I just feel like ACT is someday, it is just the acceptance of check this out, I feel depressed. And then we're no longer trying to do the, is it situational? Is it seasonal? Is it this? And we just know, oh, that is happening. So now uh, what do I do with mm-hmm. that? And I think that's, very, and so my so brain goes right even, to there. Yeah. I, know, I, realized, I get that. I'm so worried that we won't be validating somebody's experience. Exactly, that I'm saying exactly. there's, there's all these different things. But when you say it like that, you're right. Yeah. It's like, it is just, it's a thing that you're feeling and maybe it is situational and maybe it's seasonal and maybe it's a long-term thing and i guess that part doesn't really matter right like that's not the point of it that's where act kind of comes from it's like we're yeah we're trying to solve that almost as if we can figure out which one of those it is oh then i'll be okay you know but it's like no it really doesn't matter it's just a feeling that you're feeling right now so i guess yeah i've yeah okay so So i'm glad you asked that girl if we do that right yeah because i'm like i don't so there's no need to even explain that part of it it's Unless, the, and this is where right. I say that, yeah, unless there is, like, there are going to be some people that are like, but I really think it's important right. to know. And then as the therapist, I'm like, well, tell me about that. Cause I can't right. say, well, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then why I was saying that is with the paragraph you just read, I feel like in terms of the, which I know we're saying this actually doesn't matter, but in terms of the, like the longer term, potentially just chemical genetic type of depression, I personally don't think that that is your body trying to tell you something. I think it's just a thing that is. Okay. okay. But then I think in a situational or maybe even seasonal, then I could see how that would maybe be your body telling you. Does that make sense? Maybe oh, telling you something. It does. Or I even think like, I'm even trying to, like even postpartum depression, for instance. Yeah. Like I feel like that almost goes though with the, almost onto the long-term side of it where it's just, there's a, there are hormones. There's a lot of things going on where it's just something that is going to happen. And I don't think it's your body saying like, oh no, something's like, it's just your body going through a change, right? Like it's just a big thing going on again. So I feel like I know we're not, we don't need to separate it into, into categories, but then going back to that, I do think a situational depression is going to that 100%. I think as we're talking about this is your body saying like, we need to figure this out or, you know, like you need to take a step back and you need to figure out where is this pain coming from? Where's this hurt coming from? And what can I do to make it better? Mm -hmm. And I say that because I'm comparing my, like, I don't even want to say day to day, but like day to day depression thing Uh that I will experience. I'm comparing that to like a devastating breakup. Right. And like the depression I would feel like that I felt after a long-term relationship ending. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I think those are different. Yes. I and like I this. think that one of those is just a thing that that happens in my with my brain chemicals and whatever and all that crap. And the other is you just got out of a very toxic situation and your heart is broken. And so, yeah, you're going to feel a lot of things. So let's take a step back, sit with it. And then I like how in that paragraph it brings up solitude, uh-huh. right? Like yep. it brings up solitude, which we talked about. We did. Which I think it's a it's a chance for your for your it's like your body, your brain and your body asking you to take a step back and lean into the solitude, right? And lean into the, what am I feeling? Yep. And what What can can I I do? Yes. 
Yeah. And the, all yeah. of that. So that was a lot of rambling thoughts, but oh, they're not rambling, Mackie. This is why I was so excited about <laughs> but, you were doing yeah. this well, my podcasting friend. And what I love about that too is and I had a, an expert, a therapist, uh, her name's Guyanne, and she came on and talked about postpartum depression just a few weeks ago because I realized in the seven or eight years, I'd never talked about that on a podcast because obviously that's not okay, something yeah. I will ever experience. And I've talked with women that right. have. And she said exactly what you said, which I loved, where she just said, there are going to be so many hormones at play that no one can ever anticipate what that's going to be like and to prepare for the right. fact that, and she went big, like talked about rage and talked about people that then all of a sudden feel like, well, oh, oh what if intense. I don't even love my baby yeah. and all those things. And and I loved yeah. that. That one is, that one has gotten a lot of good feedback because it's people that have recognized, okay, so there, there's some normalcy here, but that doesn't mean that I like it. And so even if I'm accepting that that's happening, I still need some help, you know? I yeah, can't just, yeah, I can't just like to be check crazy, that yeah. one out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he said, this 100%. is, and, and I like where this Dr. Burton talks about being a bit of a philosopher is what he says. And so this one, this is deep. And I really like this. He says at a deeper level, the adoption of the depression position can enable us to develop a clear understanding and appreciation of ourself, our life and life in general. So he says, from an existential standpoint, so this is going to get real deep. Um, some people might want to go ahead and assume the fetal position. Uh, he says, the adoption of the, depre <laughs> the depressive position obliges us to become aware of our, our mortality and freedom and then challenges us to exercise the latter. So mean, exercise our freedom within the framework of the former, the mortality. So by meeting this ultimate challenge, we're able to break out of the mold that has been imposed upon us, discover who we truly are, and begin to give deep meaning to our lives. And this is the beauty. This is the part that I think you don't see until you get out of something where I have a, you know, a couple deal with anything from you know, betrayal and infidelity, but when they come into therapy and dig into it for sometimes it's a couple of years and now they communicate more than they ever have and they have a deeper connection or somebody that, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm 53. I finally understand my rejection sensitivity that comes along with ADHD. And so it gives things more meaning and more color. And then what he's talking about is that that way he said that of, you know, <clears throat> becomes aware of our mortality and freedom and challenges to exercise the freedom within the framework work of our mortality, then it's like you will live a deeper, fuller, richer life coming through like depression than somebody that is saying, yeah, I've never felt that way, you know, because well, they're good for you. But then you, I feel like this is that concept of polarity of, you know, dark and light, good and bad. So then that when you go to the depths of, I've already done one swear, so I can do it again, depths of hell, you know, that <laughs> you're going to know what the, the glory of the heavens feels like in relationships and in life in general. And I, so I really like the way he's saying that, that this is going to give you an opportunity to discover who you truly are and give deep meaning to your life. Like that's a beautiful thing. Just kind of probably sucks in the yeah. moment. No, it really sucks in the moment. A hundred percent. But yeah, I think it is. Like, I think this ties back into some of the solitude stuff, but I do think when you are dealing with something heavy like this in terms of mental health, you do, mm -hmm. when your body does, maybe then I guess if we're saying give you that signal or, you know, you start to feel the depressive things, yeah, you do almost get this. It is almost, which again, it's so hard. I would never be thinking this way if I was in the midst of a depressive episode, right? But yeah. you are kind of given this opportunity to either, you know, distract and yeah, watch the silly TikTok videos and do, you know, do lean into that side and sleep all the time and do those right. methods of coping. You have the, the opportunity to that, or you can take it into this, the solitude sense and you can spend that time with yourself and, and yeah, look more 
deeply at your life and at who you are and at, you know, the scary things, right? Like the the mortality and the, like, those are scary things. And especially I think when you're in a depressive episode of any sort, it elevates how scary they are. I was just talking to one of my friends about this, but I, if I'm in a depressive episode or I'm feeling extra anxious, like I, I cannot watch scary movies. I simply cannot do it. It will send me like, I will spiral and everything becomes bad and scary. But if I'm like in a good place and my emotional baseline is up and I'm like feeling good, then I'm like, bring on all the scary movies. This is fun. This is adrenaline, whatever. And so I'm saying that to say that, like, I get that when you're in a depressive episode, the heavier and the scary things feel heavier and scarier, right? Like they, it elevates that. They do. It's hard to then look at this what is the purpose of your life and what's the right. deeper meaning right. of it? But in reading this and talking about this, like, okay, but I think that's like, that's your moment, right? Like that is the yeah. moment where you can really lean into it, which is interesting and scary because again, I'm trying to think of when you're, you know, when you are in those moments, that's not what you want to be doing. Yeah. But I think there's power to it. If you can, you, you know, even if you have to take some naps and watch some TikToks yes. for yes. most of the time, Yes. Even if there's just a little a little window within there, right, that you can lean into the solitude and the the good deeper parts of your life, right, or just yeah. spending more time with yourself, or I don't know. Well, I think that's what he's saying that's is that deep, too, it is, and so that then when you are out of that state, and I like that, I'm going to own it and I'm going to embrace the TikTok videos that might make me get through one of those dark moments, or I might need to sleep, yeah. or I might need yeah. to. But then out of those, then I am going to live to the fullest, and I'm going to do. And and then I feel like that is that concept of acceptance doesn't mean apathy. You no know, acceptance means to take in without defense in its entirety. So I'm going to accept the fact that I will feel this way at times, and so then I'm not like trying to avoid everything in life so that I won't feel this way. But it's like when it comes, yeah. then bring on the TikToks. It's it's go time. And then when it's TikToks. not there, then it is like, then I now know I need to live. And, and that's where I feel like then people can really start to find more purpose and meaning. And then, you know, the therapist in me says, then people will say, oh, cool. And then I won't have those bad times again. I'm like, no, I never said that one. You know, but, but I do feel like they're you're going to come. Yeah. Yeah. And the duration may be a little bit shorter, but even then that goes against the acceptance as it is. It's like, okay, they will happen. And, and mom and I were talking about this even on a walk today. I think I was telling her about how talking with people about when they start to feel down and then it, it still doesn't feel though. Like, I think I always wanted people to feel like, okay, but when I feel down now, I at least know I'll get through it. But I was like, well, no, when people are down, they feel like, well, I might not this time. As a matter of fact, the concept we were talking about everything goes out the window. Yeah, that's right. And and does not. Yeah, you forget everything. And we had a really funny experience where it wasn't on par with like a mental health version of this, but we were on a run Saturday, and I don't know why I've been getting this little part where three, four miles in, I get a little bit lightheaded, and then in that moment, you know, I start thinking, I think I want to be done, and then. Every, yeah, I don't think most, I can get most, through this. <laughs> right. Most every week, it really does start to get to the point where I told her, I said, you know, I typically, we slow down the pace a little bit. I drink a little bit more and then I get through it and then it ends up being great. And I loved it because she was so spot on. She said, okay, yeah, that's, that's really not the same as mental health. I'm like, oh, I know. I, I'm, and I'm saying like, but I just feel like that concept is interesting because right now I feel like it, I, I think I want to just be done. And, and I know mm-hmm. that I probably need to listen to that because I, I don't want to have a heart attack or anything. But I just said that right. concept, though, so of in this moment, physical. right? It really <laughs> is. But I was saying that in this moment right now, though, I can't guarantee that I will get through it. And then within a half a mile, a mile later, then I was kind of like, yeah, it worked again. But when, when that came upon me, I needed to just really slow things down a little bit, drink a little bit more, you know. And it was just really funny yeah. to think that it doesn't mean that the next week when it happens, I'll go, oh, I'll get through it. I'll probably still have to be very present. Right. Right. 
Yeah. You'll probably, and the, yeah, you'll probably have the exact experience, honestly, pretty much every single time where you will think yeah. this is it. I can't do it. Like I cannot get through this. And then yeah. to your surprise, like you have every single time you will get mm-hmm. through it. And I, yeah, I do think that does translate into mental health. Cause again, right now where I'm at a decent spot mentally, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've gotten through every single scary, everything, every single depressive episode, but you've, you've been on the other side of a phone call when I've been in a depressive <laughs> episode and right. And where I've been like, eh, this is the end of the world and there's nothing yeah. you can say and there's nothing you can do. I will not get through this. And I then it's know, like, man. okay, right <laughs> here I am. I did it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know the junior version that they just, used to yeah, love was time. like, well, when you say like, I can't breathe and I'm like, man, you've been doing pretty good at it your whole life. And you know, yeah. you always love that, right? It fixes it every time. I'm like, oh, thanks, dude. No. <laughs> but no, because I think, yeah, but then I think the next time I do have a low point or a depressive episode, I guarantee there will be a phone call and I will be crying and I will be telling you that I can't do it this time and I'm done. And then odds are I'll get through it again and then we'll be able to talk about it like this after, right? But the bad and the scary, and like those things still, they still happen. And that's, this is a side note and I want to talk about this. We could potentially do like an entire episode on this. But mm-hmm. my, so my suite, right? Mm-hmm. We, we painted a wall in there and yeah. it's like half moon, half sun. My logo that I use for my suite is yeah. half moon, half sun. I have my tattoo right yeah. there. That's the half moon, half sun, right? And that, and again, I seriously think we could, I could talk about this for hours. So we can, t- we should do another episode about yes. it, but my whole thing, which you briefly mentioned this, that's why I'm circling back to this, but where, cause you are talking about, you have to kind of get to the darkest points to then appreciate mm-hmm. like the lighter ones. The right. Light. Yeah. And so there's an aspect there. Yeah. But I, I feel like I'm in this like season of my life where I have, I've accepted kind of my depression, anxiety things. I've accepted the, the heavier thing. I've, I'm now at a point in my life where I want to work with the things rather than against them. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I want to work. I've been viewing it more as like, I'm, I'm working with my depression and my anxiety and basically just learning to coexist, like learning to let the dark and the light coexist, right. Letting that be a neutral thing. And so I've made that into like kind of what I want the vibe of my suite to be, because I want it to be this safe space where we can talk about the dark and the scary and the heavy things and be vulnerable and, you know, deal with all that. But we can also be so happy about all the good things that are happening and we can laugh and it can be lighthearted, but then there's like this balance there. Right. And I, I just think that's like, I don't know, I could, I could go on and on and make it so much deeper than that. But yeah, I think there is a side of, you have to get to the dark to, to see the light things, but that there is this beauty of this balance where it doesn't have to be so drastic. I guess is my whole point. No, it's, it's beautiful. And then he says, and I think it speaks to, and I love what you're saying because it is, it is a way to embrace that. And there's the acceptance. Cause sometimes I think people just default to this all or nothing view where if somebody says, how you feeling? And if they say, you know, I'm doing pretty good today. And if somebody says, oh, good, then they, I don't know if you've experienced that where they go, I mean, but, but I mean, I still had a rough time and it's almost like. But I actually like they, also had the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, like they, they can't just. That if I'm feeling good, then people will forget about me. They'll give up on me. And that, you know, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm like, but it does, there is just, life is this balance of the good and the bad. Oh, so much. So, so that he, you know? okay. 
now I think we're uh, we're on team Neil Burton, MD, and his column hide and seek. This is uh, I think there's been he, yeah he's on to really something. Really nice news, <laughs> I think. So then he said, so kind of like the last thing he said, which I thought was really good, was he said, looking at it like this, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, it can be no surprise that many of the most creative and insightful people in history suffered from depression or a state that might be diagnosed as depression. And he said the role of names include politicians Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, poets Charles Dallaire, Elizabeth Bishop, Hart Crane, Emily Dickinson, Sylvia Plath, and then thinkers, um, William James, Frederick Nietzsche, a lot of these I don't really know, but then writers J.K. Rowling, Agatha Christie, Charles Dickens, William Faulkner, Leo Tolstoy. Um, There's so many, and I think it makes sense then that in order to be that creative and insightful, one has probably had to go to those depths. And then he quotes a guy named Marcel Proust, and he says, who himself suffered from depression, and this is deep. Happiness is good for the body, but it is grief which develops the strengths of the mind. Ooh. Right? Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Exactly. Uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a real, I like that point though, that, yeah, I think the most interesting and unique and like just overall beautiful, creative people that you meet, mm-hmm. I think are the ones that have been through so much crap. Yeah. And there is something so interesting to that and something to note, because I think, yeah, when you do go through the crap and you feel the scary things, it does open up this whole almost like new world in a way you know, of just like yeah. this. I don't know, but that, yeah, that last happiness is good for the body, but it is grief, which develops the strength of the mind. Okay. So let's call it right there. Mackie, I think you did your yeah. first action podcast very, very well. Thank you for trusting me on this journey, my friend. Thank you. That was, that was fun. Mm-hmm. I had more thoughts than I thought I would, so that's I exciting, know. I guess. So there we go. Right. <laughs> hey, we didn't even do an intro, but this oh, is yeah. this the has outro. been the mind, the mirror, and me. Uh, in yep. case you've gotten it this far and didn't know what you were listening to. Funny. <laughs> yeah. If so, but, then you know. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Go see, your, go see your therapist. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody.